Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. We are going through our message series uh, entitled Post-Nuclear Families. And today, as you look at the top, you can see kind of a lie that people tend to believe or a, or a thinking that, that people can have, and that is... If, if this relationship that I'm in, and, and this relationship could be any relationship, but today specifically, I will spend the most time applying this to marriage, that if it takes hard work, if this relationship that I'm in takes this much work, we must not be right for each other. And, and what we've noticed is, is that's a thinking that can, can permeate relationships and, and sometimes destroy them. And so we want to identify exactly what, what God has to say in his word about this and, and see how it can help us. But before we begin, one of the things I would like you to, to think about to kind of get our, our, our heads on straight and, and thinking in the right direction, uh, the same direction, I want you to think about expectation, about about things you really look forward to and, and, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I can't wait until this happens and I'm looking forward to it so much. And, and then what happens is as you're looking forward to it for so long and you think it's going to be so great that then it comes and you're a little disappointed. It might be this morning coming to church where you're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to get to crosswalk and it's going to be so great and I get to hear God's word and Pastor Jeff is going to preach and then you walk in the door and it's, Pastor Dan's up today. Oh well, I guess we'll still, we don't want to walk out. So, so we'll stay and we'll listen to the message. Or maybe it would be a time when you want to see a new movie that's coming out and, and this movie is built up or, or even worse, if, if there's a movie that you really loved and then a sequel is coming and you're like, oh, this is going to be so good. It, the, the sequel is going to be just as good as the, as the first movie and then it's a complete bust. Guys, one of, the, one of the best guys movies ever made. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Caddyshack. Uh, guys, uh, a lot of times, well, and ladies too, uh, can quote Caddyshack. If you ever go golfing, it's probably the most quoted movie of all time on the golf course. Uh, great movie. I didn't even know there was a Caddyshack 2. But when I went online for worst movie sequels ever, Caddyshack 2 is listed as the worst movie sequel of all time. Or maybe, uh, ladies, if you're, you're like, no, I don't like that kind of movie. And, and you're like, uh, one movie you might know, Grease, very, it's an old one, but it's a very, still a popular one. Grease 2 was listed as the second worst sequel of all time. Just saying. And, and so, <laughs> horrible. <laughs> and so people, they were, the, you know, the first one's good, so we'll go this, and then they're disappointed. Or maybe a final one would be looking forward to Christmas. I was just watching on TV yesterday. I was listening to the morning news, and I can't remember if it was Costco or Sam's Club, but they have decided that once the going back to school stuff is being taken off the shelves, which is like this week, 
they're putting it in the Christmas stuff. They're, they're going to put the trees up, and uh, they're going to start with the Christmas buildup. And, and when you think about that, we do that. We build it up so much, so much. Christmas is coming. We're looking forward to it. And then when that day comes, and, and we miss the Jesus part of it, and, and it goes just to the, to the gifts and all the fun we're going to have and everything like that, after you take the five minutes to open gifts... And once the family is together, and you get together for two or three hours too long, and then you start looking at your watch, wondering whether you, when you're going to be able to leave, and, and thinking maybe it's a good idea to get back together with the family in 10 years uh, when you're over this Christmas and dealing with them. That's what happens, is we have this buildup. And sometimes it's because of unrealistic expectation. For whatever reason it is, uh, that is what happens. Well, today, as we look at post-nuclear families, we're going to look at marriage. And marriage can be one of those things that we look forward to for so long and for such un- with son- such unrealistic expectation that we set ourselves up for failure. Think about it. Little girls start at, at, at a very young age pretending to be the bride, Right? And they are looking forward to, to walking down the aisle. I've, I've already said this. I, I don't know how many episodes of Say Yes to the Dress I've seen just in passing. Uh, and, and you watch them. They're looking forward to just the right gown, and it's going to be so special. And, and then what you find is they spend hundreds and thousands of hours planning the wedding day and maybe a couple hours it, with a pastor or with uh, in a marriage, pre-marriage seminar, thinking about every day that comes after. And, and so to kind of capture this, I have a little video clip that, that it, it's for an HBO uh, film that's coming up and kind of speaks for itself. Over the past 20 years, I've helped support my work as a documentary filmmaker by shooting the weddings of total strangers. As long as you both shall live, I do. It's like being granted a front row view as an ordinary couple experiences the most extraordinary day of their lives. To be sensitive at all times. <laughs> to each other's needs. <laughs> but I can't help but wonder, do they have any idea what they're getting into? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. What do you think marriage was going to be? Did you know from the beginning this is the woman you want to spend the rest of your life with? <laughs> <laughs> Can you pinpoint a time when you became unhappy in the marriage? Life can be funny. Life can be very funny. I'm going to devote the rest of my life to you. That's kind of insane. Marriage is not a perfect institution. Sometimes when I think he's the biggest jerk in the world and then he'll do something funny and I'll laugh and I'll think to myself, oh, This is a film about the mystery of marriage. 
what we enter marriage thinking it will be and what it turns out to be. As we join together from this day forward, to be your lawfully wedded wife, blessed with love, do you promise to love unconditionally? Now, as we look at that, I'm not necessarily promoting 112 weddings, but uh, what I, I think the point that they make, and one that kind of sucks you in, is this idea of looking at the wedding day versus marriage. And, and to take that time to look 10 years later, 15 years later, to ask, you know, is this what I expected? Or uh, does this meet my expectation? Does it exceed expectation? Or uh, as I look at where I'm at right now, am I... Am I let down? And I think our theme for today would, would suggest maybe that, that when people are in a marriage relationship, it's harder than they thought it would be. Now, as we go forward, I, I, just, I need to say this as we start. This message is going to be strong in grace and strong in truth. And, and so strong in truth means there are going to be things that I say that are going to jab at your heart, okay? I know there are people here who have been divorced. Uh, I know there are are people here who are struggling in relationships. I I know there are people here who are single who might be going great. Just what I need is a a message on marriage. But today is more than that. It it is a message on relationships and a relationship that all of us have uh, through Jesus Christ. So, So no matter what type of relationship is, even though I'm going to make certain applications to marriage and then other applications not to marriage, uh, this is, the, the content of this is something that everyone needs to have. So as we begin, we begin with 1 Corinthians 7, 28. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about a number of different things, and one of them in chapter 7 happens to be marriage and, and how it should be viewed. And this is what he said. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. Again, I want to make it clear these words were written by someone who was single his whole life. Okay, So, so as you look at this, that, that the Lord inspired Paul to write this. And, and so he's, he's, he's looking at this, though, in kind of an objective point of view, but also as a spiritual point of view. And that is when two people decide to be married, uh, there, are, there are a certain number of responsibilities and difficulties that are going to come as a result. And so you can write away in the blank, right? God wants us to know that being married is hard. It is hard. And as we think about that, that marriage is hard, that, that the first part of this is that we need to understand is there are people who should not be married. And, and, and maybe it's people who should not be married at this time, or, or that they're either not mature enough or whatever it is, or there might be other individuals who should not be married ever. And, and, and as you think about this, I want you to think also about this is specifically for people who might be dating uh, and, and, and not married. I, I want you to, we need to start there. And that as we look at this, to understand that, that marriage is 
is hard, and, and there are going to be people that you care about that you should not marry. And if I got Jeff up here, and we just told stories uh, of the last 20, well, combined 50 years of ministry, we could have, I mean, it would be story time all day long, and they're just unbelievable. But I'm going to start with one about individuals shouldn't be married. This goes back to when I was in college, and I had a friend of mine who was a year older than me, and his room was close to mine in the dorm, and he was going out with this girl who was just awful. I mean, she was just, she was mean. Every time you went by there, it was stressful, just the way she would talk to him and stuff like that, and it, and they had been dating for four years. And, and finally, after a, a couple of years of being in college and, and experiencing this, I went and talked to him and I said, I, I feel like I have to talk to you about this. You just seem so unhappy when she is here and, and you guys are, are fighting. Why are you going out with her? And he said, I'm not just going out with her, I'm going to marry her. And I said, why in the world are you going to marry her? And the first answer he gave was, because I love her. And then after we talked a little bit longer, he he was completely honest and said, I don't know if anyone else would go out with me. And you know who he heard that from? Her. And I was like, are you kidding me? So, so I, so I was, I, I just kind of, I just listened to him for a while and I let it sink in. And I remember it was December, it was in Wisconsin and it was like two days later, we were walking from one building to another. And it was one of these rare Wisconsin snows where there was no wind. It, it was perfect temperature. It was about 28 degrees. And these snowflakes are coming down. It was absolutely beautiful. With uh, the street lights. it was at night. And you could see the flakes coming down. It was just so unbelievably peaceful. And, and we were walking uh, from one building to another. And I told him, you know what? I love snow. But I'm not going to marry it. <laughs> and, and that's when he... He started laughing too, and it, it's like that was the first time it clicked that, you know what, sometimes we might be loving each other to death, and I need to get out of this relationship, and he did, thank God. So the first part of it is you're not, just because you love someone and, and you're in a relationship doesn't mean you should be married. Second, second truth, and that is marriage is hard. Marriage does not fix problems. So, so if you think you can get married and then our problems will go away, that's wrong. And again, I, I, another story, I apologize. Just because it, it just, it, I think of this every time I, I, I go through this point. It was uh, dealing with this girl that I had known ever since she was 10 years old. And she had a boyfriend, whatever. And, and they ended up, uh, she got pregnant. So... You know, came and talked to me, you know, I made this mistake, whatever. Okay, you know, Jesus loves you, he forgives you. And then she made a bad decision worse by moving in with him. And then they ended up having the baby. And the baby was about six weeks old. And I remember this because it was November. And the reason why I know that is because she called her mom. Uh, She was working part-time. Her boyfriend didn't have a job. And she called her mom and said, I don't have any formula or diapers for the baby. 
can you help me? And her mom said, sure. And she gave her 40 bucks to go get formula, to get some diapers. And she put it on the counter uh, at the place where they were living. And her boyfriend came home. It was the Thursday before deer hunting season. And he took the $40 and he bought a box of shells for his rifle and a case of beer and took the change and went deer hunting and left her. And, and then she called me because she knew if she called her mom that it would not be pretty. And, and, and so I went and talked to her and we're talking and, and that's when she told me, you know, I, I just feel like if we got married, all of this would, would go away and he would take our relationship more seriously. And that is one of the first times and maybe the only time that I laughed out loud in someone's face when they told me that, and she was serious. She was serious that marriage will fix this. And I am telling you that it does not. And the third truth, as we look at this, that marriage is hard. This is, this is the lie that I think most of us fall into, and, or that we tend to think. And that is, everyone's marriage is hard. There are no exceptions, absolutely no exceptions. And so if you think grandma and grandpa, that you look at them and, and they've been married for 50 years, I, I can't believe that, that if you talk to them at a 50th wedding anniversary, they would say, oh yeah, it was easy. You know, the easiest thing I ever done. And, and they might give that impression and they might not let you see all of it, but everyone's marriage is hard. And, and the reason why is because as we confess, Jonathan led us in a confession of sins. I'm full of sin, and sometimes it spills out into my life that being married to someone who is like that and being married to someone else who's the exact same way, it's hard. It's hard when two sinners are joined together. So we go on. Uh, the next one, and this isn't talking about marriage, but it's talking about a relationship. And, and this is 1 Kings chapter 19, 3 and 4. And it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And again, this was a relationship. This was a relationship between God and his people. And Elijah was the go-between to deliver these messages uh, about God's will for his people and God's love for his people. And people didn't care. And so where Elijah was at is, is the next one. Sometimes life isn't just hard. It seems hopeless. It seems hopeless. And if Elijah were to put it in terms that we think in marriage or other relationships, he would have said, God, they don't love you anymore. And if they don't love you anymore, how can a relationship continue? All is lost. The Lord ended up coming to Elijah and telling him all was not lost. He did a number of things for Elijah. One of them is he gave him a meal. Another thing was he gave him a nap, and then he gave him encouragement from God's word. And so in hopeless situations, a lot of times what is needed is a rest. Uh, that we're like, we're like Elijah, we run, we're afraid. 
that, that we've had enough. I've had enough already. And the Lord comes with hope. And, and my encouragement to you, no matter where you are at in a marriage relationship, I'm just going to say it's a lot easier to deal with it before you get to hopeless. And, and this is my opportunity to invite you to the marriage seminar on September 20th. And, and the reason why I encourage you to go, no, no matter where you are at in a marriage relationship, is because going through that and having the tools keeps it from getting to hopeless. And, and then, because when you're at hopeless, and, and, and like Elijah, finally, it's so hopeless, I'll even go to God for help. Or, or finally, it's so hopeless, I'll go and I'll talk to pastor to try to get some encouragement. That so often, there, there are times when, when, when they come to us, and I think Jeff would say this too, that you'd say, why didn't you come six months ago? Why didn't you come two years ago? And, and, and it, it can be a lot more helpful on doing that. So that's the encouragement. But if you feel if it's too late and you are in that hopeless situation, it's still not too late. And this is why. John 16, verse 33. The words of Jesus, I have told you these things about how difficult life's going to be so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't know if I should say this or not, but I do. I've said it more than once. And that is when people come to me with marriage concerns that I, I might say something like, you know what, it'll take a miracle to make this marriage work. Thankfully, we work with a God who works miracles every day. And, and so with that mentality, I, I think if you're at that point where you, you think it would take a miracle to make improvement, that is exactly what Jesus offers. And, and this is how. And, and he gives an example of one. Romans chapter 5. The God of all relationships says this. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, hopeless, out of control, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And again, as we look at this, remember what we're talking about. Yeah, marriage is kind of in the background, but this is about relationships. And if you want a relationship that's hopeless, there was none more hopeless than your relationship with God without Jesus Christ. We're called enemies of God. The sinful mind is hostile to God. God describes that relationship in so many different ways. In this one, you were still sinners. So, So you have the sinfulness inside of you that's spilling out all of the time. And that's when God chose to demonstrate love to you. You were powerless. God can't make it any more clear that that in hopeless situation, he acts with unconditional demonstrations of his love in Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what he has done. He has restored his relationship with you. And so in the blank, you can write, Jesus already saved us from our most hopeless situation. Okay, so, so now that relationship with God is restored. The new man in me now uh, is, is born again. And I say, Lord, let's get after this. 
And so now, I, I want you to go back for a little bit for those, and we're going to make applications to marriage, that, and we're going to this when things can seem hopeless or difficult. We go to the words of Jesus in Matthew 19, 8 and 9. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Again, these are words that are strong in truth. I mean, Jesus comes down with the hammer on this, on exactly the marriage vow and what it it includes that it is lifelong and that, that God uh, wants divorce off the table. In the blank, you can write that. To help work on our marriage, Jesus encourages us to take divorce off the table. Again, I, I know I'm dealing with a, a number of people here who have gone through divorce, okay? And, and, and so now as you stand here today, the purpose of this is not to look at the past per se, that, that as you look at that, to look at that, and, and when people get married, I, I ask them, you know, do you guys want to get divorced someday? No one says yes. Nobody. They, they say, we don't want to get divorced. Maybe even those who are divorced would say, I, I, it's not what I wanted. But, but that's the way it happened. But the purpose of this is, is for, for people who are working on relationships today one of the, the worst ways to, to go forward is with the threat of ending the relationship at any time. I, I kind of look at this with, with uh, nations having uh, interactions and both of them having nuclear bombs. And that the, at the start of each uh, meeting they have together saying, you know, we have nuclear weapons and we're not afraid to blow it up. Just want you to know that going in. That that probably isn't the best start of a, of a negotiation. And, and it's one because it kind of puts it on the table. It creates fear. And, and so when it comes to divorce, my encouragement, because I've heard this. I've been in these situations. And, and marriage, it, divorce is brought up in a number of different ways. Sometimes it's brought up as a bluff. Well, you know what? Maybe I'll just get divorced. And as they do that, sometimes it's done to have a reaction. The problem is, is when you have the bluff and someone calls the bluff, well, go ahead and get divorced and see if I care. And now you have this escalation. And the other thing that is done when it's brought up is seeds are planted. Well, maybe that is the way to go. Uh, Maybe we weren't meant for each other. Maybe this is more work than it should be. Again, as you start the encouragement to take it off the table, Turn the page to 1 Corinthians 3, 2-3. Again, as we look at these, these relationships, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And he could have said mere babies. As we look at that and as we look at going forward with relationships, one of the things that I would encourage you to do if you're having a relationship problem is write down what you're arguing about. I decided to do that this week, that, that whenever my wife and I had a little disagreement, something where she needed to think differently on, 
that I would tell her uh, what needed to happen, and then I would write down what it was about. And as I did that, it, it just amazes me that of the things that I wrote down and things I've done marriage counseling where people are having issues, how many of them are the same? Uh, there's usually an argument about spending money in some way or another, you know, on what we need, should be spending it and that. That's one of them. One of them was the argument over who, who didn't put the dog in the kennel. Uh, well, none of us did because the dog wasn't in the kennel. So don't be blaming me. You didn't put him in either. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Another was an argument over what day of the week it was that I supposedly said it was Thursday garbage day. The day It was crazy. And, and it was like, there were some, there was like hostility. I was mad. And you look at that, that's what quarreling is. Just so you know, quarreling is arguing over stupid stuff. And, and to be able to say, you know what that shows? It shows immaturity. And, and so if you have that, the person you need to look at and the person in this I need to look at is me. I was acting like a child Tanya's not in this service. I'm not saying it in the next one when she's here, just so you know. (laughs) She's on the patio, and if she finds out, I know who's here. (laughs) Anyways, instead, this is from the marriage right. These are some of my favorite words that that Jeff and I use in our marriage ceremonies. And it's from the marriage right. And and this is, it's really 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about love is patient, love is kind. It's putting it in a little different wording when it says, God's love for you is boundless. He commands you in response to his love to love each other. Love is forgiving and enduring. Love shows itself in truth and faithfulness and thoughtfulness and understanding, in patience and kindness. And these are my favorite words. Marriage furnishes a unique opportunity to put this love into practice. Being a parent offers a unique opportunity to put love into practice. Being a pastor puts you in a unique opportunity. Being a fellow Christian, being someone in a growth group, all of them, when you are in a relationship, put you in a unique relationship and a unique opportunity to put this into practice. But, but marriage offers one as well. And so the key word there is opportunity. That each of us here, because of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity being loved by Jesus that all of the world does not have because they don't know that love, but you do. And so the hard work of marriage, you know, people say it's a lot of work to be married. I think sometimes we do the wrong things. We expend our energy fighting and arguing and being critical and being selfish, trying to get our own way, trying to change the other person. But the work of marriage that, that, that Paul talks about and the marriage right talks about and God talks about is this. The hard work of marriage is showing love. It's showing forgiveness. It's showing patience, showing kindness, and showing selflessness, which is the opposite of selfishness. 
So, so as you look at those things the, the, and you're writing them down, first of all, what I want you to realize is all of these things you have experienced from Christ already. That Christ has forgiven you. Christ has loved you. He has been so patient with you. The kindness. I was just thinking about that, this today. And, and I, when I woke up this morning, the sermon was on my mind. The message was on my mind. And one of the things that, that God showing love and kindness to me, he does it in so many different ways. But the one way that I think I enjoy it the most in Arizona our Arizona sunsets. Oh my goodness gracious. There is nothing in my book more beautiful than the sunsets we have here. And especially when the rain and the monsoon storms are coming through. It's like each day, God shows me a little kindness. It, it does something in my heart where it just is like, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful thing. And it made me thinking about, do I do that every day for my wife? And if I did... How could she not want to be married to me? To, to be showing that kindness and little things like that on a daily basis. That's just one way that, that we show the, this and, and kindness to one another. Random acts of kindness. Uh, from our God, they're not so random. They're purposeful. And for us to do the same, no matter what relationship you are in. And again, Christ showing that self, selflessness. And for us to follow his lead. Now the final point. The final point is this. Ephesians 5, 25, 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. See, here, here's, here's the, the reason why this applies to every one of us here today. Every one of you here today is in a marriage relationship. Christ is the groom, and we as his church are the bride. Every one of us, on a daily basis, because of our marriage relationship with Christ, have the opportunity to experience in a perfect way all of the things that God wants us to be in our relationship with others. Again, those things above, the, that loving, the forgiveness. And, and I don't know, I'm talking about myself personally now, if every day I take time to, to think about this. Because here's the deal. Whenever these sermon message series come up on family and marriage, and whenever I present at seminars, this is what I notice. I go through and I'm preparing this and seeing everything that God wants in, in marriage and all these things. And those weeks, my wife tends to be, you can tell her this, more annoying than normal. And, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, and I'm kidding, but what I notice is this, is when I look at all the things God wants me to be and all the things God wants me to do, it can get frustrating, and I find myself, it's weird, this agitation I have. Maybe it's because I know down deep I am being selfish and not selfless, and, I, and, I, and I'm, it's in my face of all these things that I'm doing wrong. And then what I need is that encouragement from Christ. And, and I realize that, that the place where this starts is to be loved by Jesus first. And, and when that relationship is strengthened, 
that relationship with Christ, it's a natural overflow into my relationship with my wife. And so I'm giving her what Christ has already given me. And so the encouragement I have for you today as you look at your relationships is not necessarily to, to, to look at that side, you know, where if you're hopeless and I can't go do these things, but rather to enjoy the relationship you have with Christ first. Because if you don't, you are setting yourself up for failure. In the final blank, you can write, the strength from my marriage relationship or any relationship comes from my marriage relationship with Jesus. That unconditional love, the one who is there for me at all times, the one who is there for you as well. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the relationship that you have brought me into through Jesus Christ, that, that wonderful marriage relationship with you. Now, Lord, uh, let me be the person not only that you would have me be, but the person I want to be uh, in all of my relationships. Lord, help me to be loving and forgiving and kind and patient and selfless and, and to reflect the love that you have shown for me. As we go into this world, Lord, relationships are hard. Some are harder than others. But, Lord, we know that you bring hope every day, that, that your love continues day by day. So continue to fill us up so that we can overflow love into our lives. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ gives us so many opportunities to put his love into practice. So no matter what relationship you are in, uh, your relationship with other people, it happens to be a marriage relationship, if it's a family relationship, whatever it is, relationships at work, wherever you go, uh, you have an opportunity to put Christ's love into practice. And I hope you take advantage of those opportunities in your life. And as you go, don't go by yourself. Go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. God bless your day.